0: Good morning, everyone, and uh, thank you very much, Bob and Brian, for your your kind welcome and for your invitation. It's nice to be able to uh, preach in my local for a change, Uh, and it's it's great to be here. Uh, In the past year, I've had to get up on a Sunday morning and travel to places like Mullingar and Longford, so it was nice to have a slightly shorter commute uh, this morning. I want to tell you... Uh, about uh, 2,000 young people that are currently on (coughs) a mission trip lasting several years to a relatively unreached people group numbering about 160,000. It's likely that uh, these young people on this mission trip have not been commissioned. Uh, They may not even have been especially prayed for uh, or offered uh, to give feedback. During the year, they're almost certainly not receiving any special training in cross-cultural evangelism or contextualization, uh, and they themselves probably don't even see themselves as missionaries. I'm referring, of course, to our students. And the 160,000-strong people group that they have been sent to reach is the student population of Ireland. Many of these students are unchurched. Not a few have been de-churched the vast majority have little idea of the authentic message of the gospel, and yet they are a people group who are spiritually hungry, searching, and are struggling with an increasing number of pressures and fears. Among the student population, statistics on depression, addictions, self-harm, and even suicide are tragically on the increase. In Christian Union Ireland, we seek to help and create an environment for those uh, students who claim uh, a Christian profession while they, many of them are away from home. Uh, and also we seek to reach the thousands of students uh, who are, as I've said, uh, spiritually hungry and searching and yet have no real idea, have not sat down and really looked and thought about the authentic message of the Christian gospel. We coordinate the work in about 30 or so uh, student-led movements, you'll see it on the map here, Uh, from Coleraine to Cork, from Galway to Dublin, from Waterford to Letterkenny. Those are the campuses that we are working in. Uh, Here are our uh, core values. Uh, Mission, discipleship, engagement with the Bible, Developing a Christian mind about their studies so that they know that that intellectually Christianity is credible and that they don't have to stop being thinkers when they become Christians. Uh, Unity and diversity were interdenominational and so our students are able to join together uh, with other Christians of all denominations as they seek to witness for Christ on the campus. We are student-led. My job and the job of my staff is to resource and equip and to train, but the local groups are completely student-led. We want to serve the wider church, and, of course, we underpin all that we do with prayer. I know that here in this congregation you have Chris McBurney working for UCCF in uh, England. (coughs) That is our sister organization. So essentially we do in Ireland what Chris and his colleagues are doing in uh, in England. Uh, Our strategy is built around what we call the three M's of message, mission, and maturity. What do we mean by that? Well, by message, we want to develop the biblical and theological understanding of students so that they are equipped and encouraged in their life and witness, so Christian students can actually be uh, affirmed in what they believe. And we do this in a variety of ways. This is a photograph of our annual conference takes place each year uh, in Dublin. Then we have pre-terms uh, for those who are about to go away uh, to university, sixth formers who run that transition between school and university. The one in Castle in, in at the end of August, beginning of September, uh, is over 150 or 160 uh, young people take part in that. This was one that we did in Dublin last year. And then this is uh, Dublin City University, uh, their Kingdom Cafe, which uh, I spoke at just uh, a couple of months ago, Uh, and every uh, one of our Christian unions would have a weekly meeting where they gather to discuss and talk and be uh, um, informed about what the Christian faith is all about. We want to make them mature in Christ, to enable them to become mature, encouraging them to love God with heart, mind, and strength, and to engage their culture effectively with the message of the gospel. Uh, They know that they live in a world where many of their peers do not believe what they believe. So how do they answer the big questions about does God exist? How do they answer the big questions about uh, why is there suffering in the world? about how is Christianity different from other religions, Uh, as to um, the difference between um, or or has science contradicted uh, the Scriptures, has science contradicted Christian faith. These are uh, important questions. And so one of the events we run trains people, uh, these students, this was about 60 students at the end last summer, meeting together to discuss some of those very questions, what they believe and why they believe, what we would call persuasive evangelism. And then this leads on to mission, to ensure that the Christian unions understand their primary role as mission teams on campus and that every student has an opportunity to understand and respond to the gospel as it is explained through a variety of media. Uh, One of the tools that we're using at the moment is the Uncover Gospels. This is a very attractively produced Gospel of, of, Luke, of Luke, and then it's now just been released in John, where there are uh, questions at the back where a student can sit down and say to their friend, you know, have you ever actually read the Gospels? Well, what about reading with me and seeing what questions you might have? Uh, one of our leaders was about to go out to their Christian union meeting, um, and their flatmate said to them, you know, the trouble with you is that you only ever read the Bible with non- with, with Christians. You need to start reading it with non-Christians. And this leader uh, had been very skeptical. We'd been trying to get them to use this on cover. And she had said to one of our staff, you know, none of my friends would be interested in reading the Bible. It's just a non-starter. And then this girl, this flatmate says to her, the trouble with you is that you only read it with Christians. So she said to her, well, would you be interested? She says, yeah, I would be. No, you won't convert me, but I'd be interested. And of course, this was incredible because what we're finding is that in a post-Christian post-church world, which the majority of our students are in, it's not that they have been brought up in Sunday school with a lot of this stuff. They have never actually heard it. And so here they have an opportunity to sit down and say, well, what on earth is it that you believe? Another area of our mission is among international students, Uh, And over 100,000 international students come to Ireland every year to learn English, to do their studies, anything from two weeks in the summer through to full PhD studies. And we have just recently employed Holly Tagley from Bangor to oversee all of our work among international students. Every year we will have an outreach in Cork, in Dublin, and we've also had some in Belfast and in Limerick uh, in the summer, Uh, and then every year, every term time, there are cafes in Jordanstown, Coleraine, Belfast, Dublin, Cork, Uh, cafes for international students to come, uh, to make friends, and to actually hear what Christianity is all about. Many of them said to us, listen, I love coming here because I'm not allowed to ask these questions in my own country. Uh, and and our students have been amazed at the opportunity to share the Christian faith with those who in a couple of years will be going back into their own country. And we have seen recently uh, young people coming in, giving their lives to Christ, and then knowing very well what the cost might be, going back into places like Malaysia uh, and North Africa uh, to witness for Jesus in their homeland. Uh, Every... uh, every late winter, early spring, February, March time, many of our CUs will have specific events weeks or missions. Uh, this year, uh, come, uh, in fact, the in the week that's just about to start, it's Trinity College Dublin. This was the flyer from last year, uh, but it's about to start uh, tomorrow, uh, and they will have Uh, lunch bars. They will have evening meetings. I spoke at one of them last year. Uh, And then later on in February, Queen's, Jordanstown, Cork will be having theirs. Specific events week that basically blitz the campus so that every student knows there's something happening. When I went to speak at the Trinity one, uh, I couldn't find the lecture theater where it was being held. And I stopped two students, and I asked them, they were just walking on their way to some party somewhere, uh, and I asked Excuse me, can you tell me where the Edmund Burke Lecture Theatre is? Oh, they said, is that where the Christian Union event's taking place? Hold on, we'll show you. No, they weren't going to it, but they were well aware that this week was happening, and I thought that was a great testimony to what the students had been uh, doing. In fact, Trinity College won an award from the university for that week uh, and its contribution to campus life then there are uh, there is the european dimension uh, this is the Fellowship of Evangelists in Europe in the Universities of Europe, uh, and some of myself and some of my staff have been involved in that, where we see what's happening here in Ireland also being replicated in Serbia, and Croatia, and Belarus, in Switzerland, Albania. Uh, every country in Europe that has a university, through our international de- uh, contacts in IFES, we are able to help, and some of our students are going to be involved this summer in Malta uh, and in Italy doing similar things. Uh, One event that we have coming up uh, in uh, March and in April, uh, there is two very well-known Christian thinkers uh, from America, William Lane Craig, a philosopher, and uh, John Lennox, who is a well-known scientist who has debated with Richard Dawkins. You can get them on YouTube and, uh, and see the debates there. Uh, and William Lane Craig is going to be debating with two representatives from Atheist Ireland in Dublin and in Cork. And then he's coming to Belfast to do an open lecture with questions and answers on the 27th of March in the Assembly Buildings in the spires. Uh, and then the next uh, Monday night, also in the Assembly Buildings, just go back there a minute, uh, on April the 3rd, is John Lennox. And his, his, uh, his topic is do God and science mix? Uh, And we hope for a big turnout. These are open to everyone, so if you're interested, please come and bring anyone who you think would be interested in that subject. We do have international uh, connections, and some of our students will be going uh, at Easter time to the Presence Conference in Germany, Uh, and then uh, these are our staff that work throughout Ireland. There you see them uh, working uh, from Coleraine right down to Cork. We're delighted. This is where they are. And we're delighted that uh, Helen Blakey on the left there is our first ever worker in Galway covering the western seaboard of Limerick, Galway, uh, and Sligo. Uh, And uh, they're the guys who are unfortunate enough to have me as their boss. Uh, As I said, we're student-led. Uh, And our student council is a means by which students, when they have led their local group, can meet together and help us form our strategy and policies for uh, the the, the next few years and give student input into that. If you want to know more about us, uh, our website is www.cui.ie. The information is on there, and we're just beginning to populate that with some resources for the wider church. Now, when you've heard about that and about our uh, ministry. I hope you saw the relevance of what uh, was read for us from Daniel chapter one. A group of young men, maybe younger than today's college kids, taken away from home to live in a very different environment with people from different countries, new pressures, new temptations, placed in a classroom to study and learn new things, some of which were very foreign to the religious upbringing that they would have had back home. And in that environment, they form themselves into a supportive fellowship, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, uh, of young people who serve the living God. They decide to make a stand and witness for him. The story of Daniel 1 is not a million miles away from the first university Christian union. I think the parallels are striking. And the interesting thing, too, is that we have here a context of absorption The Babylonians were different from previous tyrannical regimes. Other empires, like the Egyptians, suppressed the conquered people, banished them into ghettos, separated them from cultural life, put them into slave labor. Their gods would be smashed to pieces, their religion would be outlawed, the people would be enslaved. But the Babylonians were clever. They didn't want to crush the conquered peoples. They wanted to turn them into Babylonians absorb them. And so Daniel and his friends were educated in the Babylonian way. And the aim was that before long they would forget who they were. They would forget where they came from. They would be new people, Babylonians. The religious treasures of Jerusalem were not smashed, but they were treated with a curious reverence. They were put into the temple of the Babylonian gods. They were regarded a little like museum artifacts, curiosities from another time and place. And the modern university is a melting pot of ideas and cultures and philosophies. But the dominant one in Ireland is clearly secular, pluralistic, atheistic. And the temptation for many of our young people is not that they're going to be physically oppressed or persecuted, but that they're going to be absorbed into the surrounding culture. They're going to forget who they are, where they've come from. They'll be encouraged to conform. And their faith increasingly won't so much be mocked by disciples of Dawkins and the like, but it's going to just be dismissed. It's going to be treated like a curiosity, a museum piece from a different time and place. Oh, yes, people used to believe all that stuff, didn't they? And that's sometimes worse. So pray for our students. Pray for those who are going to be in transition this next summer from high school into university, uh, that as their first years they will start to understand that this is the new journey that they are going on with God through their university years. And then we have a case of identity. For Daniel and his friends, they decided to fight the right battles. They knew who they were, and so they didn't mind cooperating with this Babylonian policy. They enroll in the University of Babylon. They learn history and culture. Uh, they study their academic grades. They're even uh, tutored in some subjects that would have challenged their faith in God. They wanted to explore and understand the alternative worldviews so that they could better witness to the truth of the living God. They even allowed their names to be changed. They found a way to be good Babylonians without compromising their beliefs. And the student years are a time of great discovery, exploration, learning new things, We always tell our young Christians not to get cocooned into the little bubble of the Christian union. We encourage them to be involved in university clubs and societies, to contribute to the flourishing, to pursue postgraduate studies and doctoral studies, to raise up new Christian faculty for our Irish universities. It's been great to notice, as I said, the number of universities that Christian unions who have received awards uh, because of their contribution to university life. The president of Waterford Christian Union was given a special cup at his graduation by the university because of his contribution to the wider campus. That's being a witness. In a culture where often we fight battles over petty things, it's good to remember just how much Daniel and his friends contributed to Babylonian life. They were Israelites but they were prepared to contribute and pray for the peace of the country into which they had gone. I can't see Daniel protesting about flags, can you? I can't see him making a big fuss about having to read a book that might have a raunchy scene or bad language in it. With God's help, he was able to study and be involved in the real world where he was and yet not be corrupted. So pray for our students. At a time when there is from some quarters increased pressure to disaffiliate Christian groups from the Students' Union. Two Dublin colleges last year weren't able to have CU meetings on campus. Pray that they're going to shine like stars and be able to, to help me to say, as I have done to the university authorities, listen, if you stop this Christian union from meeting, not only are you going against freedom of assembly and freedom of belief and freedom of speech, but you're depriving the university of a movement that does a lot of good, not just for their own members, but for the wider university life. Pray that they're going to have courage to be salt and light in the rugby clubs, the science clubs, the film clubs, the political societies, the cultural groups. But then of course we see that Daniel had a decision to take. He had a stand to make. There was a challenge to his loyalty. It says in verse 8 that Daniel determined in his heart. He made a choice. We're not quite sure what this choice was. It just says that he wasn't going to defile himself with the food and drink at the royal court. There was something there which meant it was a step too far. Some people said, well, maybe the food wasn't kosher. But then why did he not drink the wine? There was nothing against the law about drinking wine. Well, maybe it had been offered to idols. Well, the vegetables that he ate would have been offered to idols as well. No, I think that uh, the most... uh, the most believable, incredible reason is that eating at the king's table was a particularly intimate thing to do, and it implied a strong identification to the king, an indebtedness to the king. So, the emphasis is not on the food and the wine. The emphasis is on the royal court. Why did Jesus finish his ministry with a meal? Why are the rules about abusing communion so serious? <coughs> it's because eating together in this culture, meant that you were ultimately loyal to the person you were eating with. A king would only have those at his table who he would trust with his life, who would live and die for him. And Daniel knew that that would be defilement. He was living and preparing to die for a bigger king. He was saying to Nebuchadnezzar, I'm going to be a good student. I'm going to be a good politician. I'm going to be a model citizen for Babylon. I'll serve your government in any way I can but I will never be your ally. I will never be your stooge. You can't bribe me into always being loyal to you. He resolved in his heart that Babylon was not ultimately his home. His citizenship was somewhere else. He served a different king. Our Christian unions are mission teams on campus. We want each generation of students to know what it is to declare their loyalty to Christ, To know that their allegiance ultimately lies with him. University, of course, can be a time of subtle temptations. The availability of drugs, sexual experimentation, the rampant drinking culture that pervades every campus. And I'm not naive enough to think that our Christian students are going to be immune to that or going to struggle with that. But in many ways, those are the obvious temptations. And many students will recognize them. And that's why the Christian Union's joined with university authorities in trying to combat the binge culture, not because uh, we're being judgmental, but just because we realize that this is a massive issue for many students. I think the more subtle temptations for our students is to let their heart be seduced by something else. There are more subtle temptations, the seduction of power or career, or academic advancement at the expense of their faith, when it's easier to be quiet. We want to resolve, encourage each generation of students to resolve in their hearts like Daniel, not to be corrupted by the temptations of power and the pressures to conform, not to listen to the, the, the tutor who will say to them, keep your faith private, you'll go further in your career if you don't let your faith interfere with your work. I've had PhD students tell me that's a very real threat. that's why our tagline is that we are mission teams on campus, doing what the churches cannot do, going where the churches cannot go, interdenominationally, reaching students with the gospel. It is in CU that our young adults learn to lead learn to pray, learn what it is to be a Christ follower in one of the most demanding environments they will ever face in their lifetime. And they themselves are at such a vulnerable transitional phase in their own development. So a challenge to our allegiance, who do we serve? Who is God of our life? I don't know if there's a place that you can recall where God really spoke to you, or what you think of when somebody says, there was a place God really touched me. Maybe it was a mountain top with a panoramic view, or a forest path with the birds singing sweetly in the trees, or a beach with footprints. Well, this is my place. It was my first night away from home at Stirling University. And I was sitting at a little bench at this roundabout. I'd bought myself a fish supper from the local chippy at Causeway Head. And uh, I'd sat down there, and it was a Saturday night my first day away, and I thought to myself, nobody knows I'm here. Nobody knows I'm a Christian. I can, uh, don't have to go to church tomorrow. I don't have to join the Christian union next week. And this was the mental conversation that was going on in my mind. And all I can describe it was a deep, resonating, and comforting inner voice that says, oh, yes, you do because you're mine. It was the inner witness of the Holy Spirit telling me that what I had taken with me was not secondhand. It wasn't just from my parents. (coughs) It was real. I had committed my life to Christ. And from then on, I was able to make a stand for Him uh, at university and still be involved in many aspects of the university life, the football team, the campus radio, the dramatic society, the choir. So Moses had a burning bush Peter had a voice from heaven on the Mount of Transfiguration. Elijah had fire on Mount Carmel. I had a bag of fish and chips in a roundabout just off the A9 in Scotland. But that's why I'm so passionate about this work. There's a spiritual battle going on inside the hearts of many of our young people. It's as if down the ages the voice of God through Joshua shouts to each new generation, Choose today whom you will serve. Will you follow the risen Christ and identify with his people, or are you happy or reclining at a different king's table? That's why my final point is this. From the story of Daniel, there is also a call to perseverance. It's a very overlooked verse at the very end of chapter 1, verse 21. And Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. What was the result of Daniel's bold action? How did God respond to his faithfulness, this young man far away from home in a strange place? Did he say, well, Daniel, you stood up for me, you can go home tomorrow, or give it another couple of years, finish your degree, and then I'll take you home? No. The last verse says he stayed there to the first year of King Cyrus. Folks, that was 70 years later. He spent his life in Babylon. He spent his life in exile. And during that time, he would face persecution, near-death experiences with a a bunch of lions. And if you read the later chapters, he also had depression and doubts. But God had his purposes. Whenever the people were taken away into exile, they had false prophets. They had people telling them, a little bit like those who went off to fight in the First World War, it's all right, we'll all be home by Christmas. And what if those guys had been right? What if the Israelites had gone home in two years? What a pointless, exhausting, fruitless exercise, marching all the way to Babylon, sitting sulking for two years and then marching all the way back. What was the point of that? What would they have learned? But a generation, think of what could be done for Babylon in a generation through the presence of a humble, obedient and missional people. Seventy years gave enough time for a godly young man called Daniel and his friends to be nurtured on how to live in an alien society. Seventy years gave enough time for different dreams to emerge, bigger visions, visions about the rise and fall of kingdoms until the kingdom that knows no end emerges and fills the whole earth. Read the rest of the book. Now, give me that vision over any dream about a quick return to the way things were. We're saying to our students— and to you, our support soldiers. Seek the welfare of the university. Pray for the place that they have been sent to. Pray for the faculty and the administrators, the student union sabbaticals. Pray for the people, the students, because if the university flourishes, society will flourish. Pray that the Daniels will emerge in these places. A couple of journalists recently wrote a book about political change. And they said that the key thing to getting political change is to target the universities. Folks, we're in the universities to get spiritual change. The Christian life is a journey to glory, a long obedience in the same direction. Where is the next generation of church leaders coming from? From our universities. Where's the next generation of Christian teachers, lawyers, artists, business entrepreneurs, politicians, and poets coming from? From the young men and women who at the moment are in our universities. A strong student movement today means a strong church tomorrow. So please pray for us, And support us. Let me encourage you to support Chris McBurney and his work in Canterbury. Let me encourage you for those of you who have students here in Ireland to support our work. There's one of our uh, prayer letters in the hall where there's be tea and coffee. Please take them. Our current one is sold out or not sold out out of stock, and uh, it's the it's the autumn one that's in there. But please take one, and do. Seriously think of committing to support the work within the universities, whether that's Chris, as long as he's working in England, and then back here with ourselves. Don't lose heart. In the midst of persecution and depression, God gave Daniel a vision of glory in chapter 7. God on his throne, Jesus coming on the clouds of heaven and given authority, glory, and power over all nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. This is an amazing mission field. It's one that has so much potential. But we do it simply because we know that as the university flourishes, society flourishes. And as the university Christian unions flourish, the church will flourish. And together we give allegiance to the one on the throne whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and whose kingdom is one that will never pass away. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that there is not one inch of this planet over which you do not cry, mine. You are Lord and you are sovereign, whether you are acknowledged or not. We just pray for our young people, our students, uh, maybe struggling academically, maybe struggling socially, maybe struggling relationally, emotionally. With all the pressures that they face, we pray that they will find their comfort and hope in you. Be with our Christian Union leaders and staff that creatively and graciously they may point the way to the one in whom is the only hope of the nations. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.